This is Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. He's going to score. Oh, no, not again. Ramondre Stevenson, 34 yards to the house. You see the, you see the silver and black Raider Nation are headed for the exits. Yeah. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. Oh. Keelan Cole with the catch of his life. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. And a Stefford. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I can't believe what I just saw! Again! I can't believe what I just saw! This is unbelievable! <laughs> wow! On the first night of Hanukkah! It's a miracle in Las Vegas! Live from the Underground Lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. And that's how it ended, Raider Nation. Just like that. Jason Horowitz on the call along with Lincoln Kennedy, and the Raiders walk it off for the third time this season, and this time was in improbable fashion. It's one way to walk it off with a Devontae Adams touchdown catch. It's another way to walk it off with Josh Jacobs taking it to the house. But a whole nother element is brought to the table when Chandler Jones technically recovers a fumble that was really an interception that wasn't an interception because it wasn't. So technically in the book it's a fumble recovery. But either way, he plucks it out of the air, takes it to the house. The Raiders win the game. I still, 24 hours later, and I know it's not quite 24 hours later, still can't really believe and get my mind wrapped around what I saw. And this is, you know, two days in a row following Raider games. I couldn't really wrap my brain around what I saw. Last Friday... I couldn't wrap my, my brain around what we saw when the Raiders lost to the Rams in Baker Mayfield in L.A. It's like, what the hell just happened? How did that happen? Today, I can't wrap my brain around how the Raiders won that game, how it ended in a victory, and I still wonder what the hell happened. <laughs> how did we get to where we are right now? But uh, that's what it was, and uh, the Silver and Black come away with the victory and improve their overall record to 6-8 and eight on the season and prepare for them uh, a Christmas Eve game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh 50th anniversary of the immaculate reception, deception, incompletion, whatever you want to call it. We know we got plenty of different names for it. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a game on Saturday. But before we get to Saturday, we got to worry about today, and we got to talk about what happened on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium as the Raiders improved to 6-8, and eight, as mentioned, on the season with the big-time victory over the New England Patriots, a game that I felt like the Raiders were in total control, were going to win easily. Then I thought they were out of control and they were going to lose. And then they ultimately win the game. So, uh, man, I'll tell you, you want to talk about roller coaster affairs. And the Raiders, <laughs> the, being a Raider fan, right, is not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you have a weak ticker, you might not want to become part of Raider Nation because, man, it will be tested. It will be tested in a major way. People ask me all the time, you know, how do you sit in the press box and not cheer and not get fired up because there's all kind of plays that happen. How do you not get angry? You know, you just kind of sit there and take it and watch the game. And for the most part, 99.9% of the time, I'm really good at it. Like, I'm really good at it. I just kind of got it under control. Sit there and watch how it goes. Tweet out what happens. Prepare to be as professional as possible. But, Damon, I'm not going to lie to you. When that ball is floating in the air and I see big 55 go up and just high point it like he's a wide receiver or a, or a really good DB, there was a young lady next to me. I feel sorry. I, I absolutely apologize to her. I, I reached over like my mom would do in the car, you know, when you know when your your mom is driving in the car 
and and all of a sudden, like, maybe traffic is starting to stop, and she wants to reach over and make sure you don't go nowhere. Like, baby, don't go nowhere. So I reached over. Yeah, I just reached over and kind of grabbed her arm and was like, what is, what is going on? And I literally had to say, what in the world is going on? And luckily for her, I did that because she wasn't watching. She was on her phone thinking that we were about to head to overtime, right, thinking, okay, we're about to cover an overtime game. And so she looked up and saw the end of it, and so she was actually happy that I did it. But it was so funny because, I mean, I just natural reaction was like, what in the hell's going on? So I reached over and, and, and grabbed her, and then after Chandler made it to the end zone, I stood up and walked over to Mark McMillan, who was uh, on the row behind us in the press box, and I just gave him a look. I didn't say a word. I just looked at him. I just did. And that was probably the most reaction I've ever had in the press box ever in the history of being in the press box, any game I've ever seen. But, I mean, it was warranted. I mean, something. You had to have some kind of reaction, right, when you see that, regardless, good or bad. You had to have some kind of reaction because it was unbelievable. So, clearly, we got plenty to talk about on today's show. And, man, I mean, there's been so many times that the Raiders have been on the wrong end of finishes like that, you know, including the immaculate reception that we'll be talking about for Saturday's game, Christmas Eve's game, when they travel to Pittsburgh. You know, they've been on the wrong end of so many of them in history, so many games that are named. And I know the morning tailgate had a really good, uh, fun time this morning naming that game. I'm not going to name that game because, well, I, I'm not that creative, so I'll let you name the game. But the Raiders have been on the wrong end of so many games that have names to them. It's nice for them to come out on the winning side of things as they did on Sunday. So we got plenty to get to as we're at the Oyo, the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're here every single Monday night. We prepare for Monday night football and a game that when the schedule came out, this one looked like it was a really sexy one on paper. Green Bay against the Rams. Ooh, that's going to be fantastic, right? Yeah, not so much. Right? right, Green Bay has done their best to not make it that much uh, excitement, and the Rams have done that much to their job to, to make it not that much more excitement. But, you know, it's still, it's still a Monday night football game. It's week 15 getting wrapped up. Baker Mayfield round two. We'll see what he's got as far as the Rams go. And, of course, the Green Bay Packers, who just released Sammy Watkins earlier today, we'll see what they got going on. But Green Bay and the Rams will be Monday night football, and you can check out that game right here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. You can also come by and get hooked up with a bunch of T-shirts that we have, Raider Nation Radio 920 T-shirts. We have a bunch of cups and koozies as well. We have all kind of different prizes you can get. And, again, food and drink specials going on all day long while we're here at the Underground Lounge. So come on by, hang out with us. If you're Raider Nation, you're still in town, you haven't left yet, uh, maybe you're you know getting ready to catch a flight in a little while, come on by and say what's up. Good. It'd be great to meet you. So, again, the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, our Monday night spot. A lot to get to on today's show. We got plenty of sound from the Raiders' locker room. We talked to Chandler Jones, Keelan Cole, Darren Waller, Mac Hollins, Jerron Harmon, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Nate Hobbs. Yeah, we did all that. <laughs> we did all of that in the Raiders' locker room following the game. And then myself and DeMond on Friday night, we actually went out to Ford Country and we talked to running back Josh Jacobs, who was signing autographs and signed 500 to 600 autographs, raised a whole lot of uh, food, uh, was it collecting donations at Ford Country, second year in a row, and he collected a whole lot of food, and that was awesome. But he's out there signing all these autographs with a bad pinky, basically told us he had to learn how to write again just so he can go ahead and do that. But Tip of the cap to Josh Jacobs, who signed everybody's autographs, everybody's autographs who was there. And it was a cold night. It was a cold night there, buddy. But he signed everyone's autograph, everyone who waited in line. And on top of that, not only did he sign everyone's autograph, he also took a picture with everybody. It wasn't either or. It was both. Right? If you wanted both, if you wanted a picture and an autograph, 
he gave that to you. So uh, Josh Jacobs did a hell of a job on Friday and, uh, again, collected a bunch of donations of food that goes to the local area. So I thought that that was really cool. So we have sound from him as well that we might get to on today's show. But as I mentioned, we got so much to get to, we probably won't. But we have it in the bag just in case. So, again, Josh Jacobs, Chandler Jones, Keelan Cole, Darren Waller, Matt Hollins, Jerron Harmon, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Nate Hobbs. That was all the Raiders locker room and then Ford Country as well when it comes to Josh Jacobs. Our guest that we have coming up on the show today, coming up at 2.30, our normal Monday guest, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Review Journal. He was one of many that was in the press box that was just stunned at what we saw. And I'm not talking about the T-Pain show, even though that was a fantastic show, by the way. T-Pain did his thing. Uh, multiple people were in the, in the press box uh, dancing, including Hondo Carpenter. No doubt. When Flo Rida came on, well, when, when T-Pain did low with Flo Rida, Hondo got low. I didn't know if he was going to get up, but he got low. I was like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. Hondo's getting down. Someone help him up. But, he, he, man, he had, he had him some rhythm. He was going, man. He was excited. He said that uh, T-Pain was his guy. So, uh, yeah, he put on a hell of a show. Got to give him a lot of uh, credit and had the, had the press box jumping, had the uh, stadium popping. So uh, T-Pain did his thing. One of, the, one of the better performances I've seen there at halftime at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, for me personally, I'd rank it right behind Nelly. Nelly was my, uh, was my dude. I was excited when he was there, uh, but T-Pain was right there uh, with them, again, in that little wheelhouse that I have. So uh, Ed Graney will join us at 2.30 to talk about the game, talk about how big that win was for the Raiders and also Chandler Jones, right? He's been a guy that hasn't had the season that anyone expected him to have. He really, it's funny, he actually missed the play and then made the play, <laughs> right? So and we'll get into that uh, later on the show. But Ed Graney will talk all things Raiders with us at 2.30. And then at 3 o'clock, as mentioned before, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, he's been joining us on Mondays as well. He'll talk about the Raiders' defense, how it's improving, and I do believe it's improving even though they got gashed by way of the run yesterday. They've been doing a better job, and they haven't been allowing as many points as they were earlier in the season. And I'll say, on Sunday's game, the Patriots' offense also contributed to the Raiders' defense being better because their offense was piss poor. I mean, there's no other way I could put it than their offense was piss poor. I mean, these cats called a timeout on a touchdown. They got a touchdown and called a timeout on themselves, right? I mean, they iced them their own selves. They were running at will. I mean, they were running like it was nobody's business, and then they decided, okay, we're going to throw the ball three times in a row. So their offensive play calling, and look, this is something we talked about, Damon, coming into the game. We talked about their offensive play calling had no rhythm. Matt Patricia has no business being that play caller, and you can see why. It's not as easy as it looks in Madden when it comes to play calling. You don't pick box A, B, or C, or D and think that that's good. I don't even know if there is a D box, but you know what I mean. You don't just pick pick a box and run with the play, and that's what it felt like. There was no rhythm. In play calling in the NFL and even in college, you, play, you run a play in, in, in the first quarter to set up a play in the fourth quarter, but you've got to have that, that forward thinking. Matt Patricia ain't it. He ain't got it. And that offense, that, there was no rhythm to that play calling on, uh, on Sunday. And, DeMond, you were in the, in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, as you are right now, all day on Sunday. I mean, you ran Q's kickoff. I mean, you were the man behind the scenes. As you were sitting in the studio listening and, of course, observing on the TV as well, just what were you thinking? Just, just focus in on the Patriots' offense, their side of things. What were, you fo- what were you thinking when you saw what they were doing? I know that I'm back here in the studio, but it's almost, for me, it's the best way to watch the game because with the TV delay, I hear Lincoln saying that this is an idiotic move. And then 15, 20 seconds later, I get to see you on TV. All right, Lincoln says that this is a dumb move. And Lincoln's not wrong. It's a dumb move. And I'm talking about, like, the, that offensive sequence there where they had the touchdown. They called the timeout. Yeah. And Lincoln's like, what are you doing? Like, they didn't try to attempt to run at all. You've got one of the 
he's not the biggest quarterback in the league, but he's listed at 6'3", 220. And maybe even give him a quarterback sneak. Mm-hmm. All of these other options that they could have had. And yeah. then you're trying to outsmart the room. Like you said, Madden, hey, we're going to put our fast cornerback in the backfield. That'll throw him off. No, right. it won't. No, no, it was just – it was really bad play call. And even late in the game when they had Mac Jones roll out on a naked boot, and it was like, okay, hey, we're going to pick up a first down with Mac Jones running on a naked boot. And Max Crosby's like, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. And so Max Crosby sniffed him out for like a two-yard gain, and, and he just gave himself up because he knew that it was about to be bad business. Max Crosby was going to give him the heat. So, uh, yeah, it was just really bad play calling uh, all around from, from the Patriots. And, again, they were dominated by the ground game. And for some reason, in spurts, they would continue to go away from it. But uh, good for the Raiders that they did. And they found a way to lose that game. You know, we talk about all the time, uh, you know, teams that find ways to win and, find, and get teams that find ways to lose. The Patriots did everything they could to lose that game, like help, help the Raiders win that game, and they did. They assisted them in a major way, including that last play by Chandler Jones, the, the laterals that should have never been laterals. And the one thing I'll say about that is I was very surprised to see it because you, 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 you think about a Bill Belichick-led team and you just assume that they're smarter than that. Right, you just assume that they're more disciplined. Like they ain't gonna do that. We were in the in the um, in the elevator heading down to the locker room following, and so of course there's some Patriot guys, you know, reporters that are in the elevator, and and we're in the elevator, and we're about to head to the Raider locker room. They're about to head to the Patriots locker room, and I looked at one guy and I said, "Hey man, a lateral like that on a Belichick-led team that could that can get you cut." And he and, and the guy said, "Yeah, there's a good chance that they can get a guy cut." He's he said he's lucky as Jacoby Myers, and he's a very valuable player. But if it had just been another, another guy, he'd have been gone the next day, if not on the way home. So, I mean, that's just – it was really surprising. Again, a Belichick-led team you don't think are going to be so dumb, but they made a lot of dumb plays, like Lakey Kennedy said, throughout the course of the game. So we'll talk all things game and all things Raiders defense with Mark McMillan coming up at 3 o'clock. And then we got super fan Faven K from Fox 5 Vegas. She's going to join us at 4 o'clock. And I don't know, Damon, if you saw the video she put out following the game, she was all celebrating like the rest of uh, Raider Nation was. And she put out a tweet and said, I damn near had to twerk after that. <laughs> I said, don't you do it. Don't you do it. So she, she acted like she was about to, and then she's like, nah, just kidding. I ain't going to do it. But – she was excited. She was fired up. Myself and Cassie, we actually went down to, to the field right before we went into the locker room, and we took videos of Raider Nation still in the stands partying and having a good time. So, uh, you know, we'll talk to Faven about the game, the outcome, how it all shook out, her experience at the stadium. And I'll say this, there was a lot of Patriot fans there. There was a lot of Patriots fans that were very loud and throughout the course of the game. And any time the Raiders had third and long, you heard the, the Patriot fans get loud. And so uh, that was something that I know a lot of fans have talked about throughout the course of, well, Legion Stadium being a Legion Stadium. And, you know, the Raiders are going to have to continue to win games at home to stop so many fans from coming. And I know on, on New Year's, I know everyone's been circling that one. I know on New Year's when, uh, when, when the 49ers come to town, there's going to be a lot of red in the building. So I'm, I'm lightweight concerned of what it's going to look like come New Year's Day, just because I know how many people, and I know so many folks in the Bay Area uh, and radio in the Bay Area has been talking about getting tickets and getting tickets and getting tickets and want to be in Allegiant Stadium. So I'm interested to see what it's going to look like on New Year's. But uh, Raider Nation, don't sell, don't sell those tickets to, to 49er fans. I'm telling you right now, if you don't want to see a ton of red in the stadium, come New Year's. So uh, those are the guests that we have live on the show. Ed Graney at 2.30, Mark McMillan at 3, and Faven K from Fox 5 Vegas at 4 o'clock. And then, as I mentioned, have plenty of locker room sound to get to throughout the course of the game, but let's, or the course of the show. So now that you know the guests, you know where we're at, the OYO, the Underground Lounge. Uh, every Monday night we do this. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. 
the opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So I know a lot of folks have been having a lot of fun with the game and talking about what what would you name that game? What would you call it? Because any kind of finish like that has to have a name, right? But I know a lot of folks have already done that, so I'm not going to continue to re, you know regurgitate the same thing. I want to keep it fresh. I want to keep it new. I want to keep it pushing. So I want to I want to throw it out there and just ask, where would you rank that finish to Sunday's game at Allegiant Stadium as far as the best finishes you've witnessed in sports history? Doesn't necessarily have to be Raiders history. Doesn't necessarily have to be football in. Uh, related it could just be in sports history but you had to witness it where would you rank that ending because i'll tell you right now i've never seen a finish like that and i've seen some good finishes i've seen some crazy finishes a lot of times raiders have been on the wrong end of them but i've seen some really good finishes right i've seen some stuff that i thought was pretty stinking amazing you know and games that that i witnessed i mean from baseball even heartbreaks in baseball but i mean baseball Football, basketball. I mean, how I many MJ um, game winners did did I did I see happen? Right. I mean, I just there's so many different ones that I saw, but I never saw something like that. Right. I couldn't write that up. And and Demond, I've never seen something like that on a high school level, a college level, or an NFL level. Right. And I feel like I've been covering football for a very long time, been watching the game, uh, even as just a fan for a long time. I've never seen something like that. So that's one of the questions I want to throw out there. Where does that, you know, where would you rank that one as far as that finish to the game to, compared to other finishes you've seen in your sports fandom, sports history? You know, the, what you've seen, not what you've heard, not what you heard about, but games that you've actually seen. That's where you really have to th- put your thinking cap on. Wait, hold on. Let me dig into the crates and, and think about the games that I've actually witnessed and where I'd put that that finish. So 702-365-9200, you can chime in there or on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And then I also wanted to bring up this little nugget as well. With the Raiders winning that game and improving to 6-8, and eight, you know, I just realized over this weekend especially, I think week 15's weekend in the NFL has been the best weekend so far this season, to be 100% honest with you, from the comeback victory by by Minnesota being down 33 points at halftime. I thought the game was over when I was at the barbershop, only to find out they're going to come back and win. Then you saw Buffalo on Saturday night against Miami and the way that one finished in the snow. I thought that was awesome. And, of course, three walk-off victories yesterday. You know, the, the Jaguars walked it off on the Cowboys. Obviously, the Raiders walked it off on the Patriots. And then you saw the Chiefs walk it off as well uh, on the Texans. So, I mean, there, that was a fantastic week of NFL action. But if you look at it, if you really look at at the grand scheme of things, do you know there's 20 out of 32 teams in the league right now that are 500 or below? I know the Raiders' season has not been all that, right? We all estimated that they were going to – well, at least I estimated. Let me go ahead and correct myself. I estimated that they were going to be a 10-win team. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But if you go back and look at it, 20 out of 32 teams in the NFL right now are 500 or below. And, of course, that game on Sunday could have gone a couple different ways. The Raiders could have lost that game. They didn't. But they also had other games throughout the course of the year that they could have won. So when you look at it, and last year, if you remember all the parity that the NFL had, there was only a couple teams that really stood out as, okay, that's the elite team. Like right now I could look at across the league and say, all right, Philadelphia is an elite team, and now they have injury uh, problems with Jalen Hurts. Right? He's going to miss a couple games at least. That's a problem. So – What's that going to do to them moving forward? You know, you can look at other teams and say, okay, that team. Like, you can look at Buffalo 
and call them a team that you feel like is a, is a great team. But, I mean, they have some question marks, right? There's not, there's not a bunch of teams, even Kansas City, right? They, I mean, look, they had to walk it off against the Texans. So I feel like the, the, the pack is way closer to where the Raiders are than it is to where, like, Philadelphia is as far as record-wise right now. And, again, not making any excuses for the record that the Raiders have because there is no excuse. They had winnable games that they blew. Bottom line. That's the nuts and bolts of it. So when you look at it and you really, like I said, take a step back and just don't look at focus on one team, focus on the league, it's got to make you feel a little bit better that they ain't the only ones. I mean, there's two divisions, two divisions right now in football that are 500 or below for the whole division, the whole division. There's two divisions. So I just, you know, I, I kind of want to know how, how, how much closer or how much more do they need to get themselves out of this little pack that they're in and improve themselves and take that next step? How much more? How many, more, how many pieces are they away from not being that, the 20 out of 32 teams that are 500 or below and be part of the, the other guys? I mean, think about that. There is less teams in the league. There's only 12 teams that have a better than 500 record. 12. That's nothing. So that's another, that's another, uh, that's another thought that you can comment on as well. And, and maybe does that make you feel a little bit differently than the, about the season? Again, not trying to make excuses for a five-win team because they should – or a six-win team, excuse me, because they should have more, more wins than that as far as I'm concerned. Don'tBeBroke.com, text sign 69187, keyword R&R. Shout out to uh, the DLC, who's definitely sponsoring it. We appreciate it. Big Dub Raider said, Q, to rank this game to the ones I've been to, Raider games are the only great games I've been to. So this past game is slightly number two for the 2010 Charger game in Oakland when I literally felt the Coliseum shake when Tyvon Branch took that fumble to the house. Okay, there you go, Big Dub Raider. I like that one. That's a, that's a really good one right there. There was, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I know I was in Texas, but I was watching it. It was, was it on Thanksgiving? No, I think it was around Christmas. And it was against the Chargers. Wasn't it Charles Woodson's last game? Charles Woodson's last game was an epic ending for the Raiders as well. And that's when he had his kids at the podium afterwards, and they were, they were throwing up the O. They were in the Coliseum, and it and, uh, looked like they were definitely destined to lose that game. And the reason I remember, and it stands out to me so much, is because my wife had some of her family over, really good guys, but they were Charger fans because they had been stationed in San Diego, so they just naturally were Charger fans. And so they were talking trash to me, and then they all went out to look at Christmas lights. And, you know, I don't do all that. I don't go do all that. I don't give a damn about those Christmas lights. You know what they do? They cost you money. That's all they do. I don't care what they look like. <laughs> all they do is run up your electricity bill, so I ain't worried about them. But he was talking trash to me about the Chargers. I said, all right, man, when well, you go on and do your little Christmas light thing, I'll be here watching the game. And when he came back, I was like, boom, Raiders won. I might have had some beverages in me too, so I might have been a little bit more fired up than that. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was a really good one. That was a good one right there uh, that I really enjoyed. And, again, I don't remember the exact year. But it, I, I want to say it was Charles Woodson's last game uh, at the Coliseum. And I'm sure someone could correct me if I'm wrong. 2.23 is the time. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. It's 702-365-9200. We got Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas coming up in just a few. But let's go ahead and talk to our guy, Raider Fer Fish in Berkeley. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, we'll take it how we can get it. I mean, my goodness, it don't matter. If you begin to win, as long as you win and win an end. Hey, let me throw some names out there, okay? We got the uh, throwback 
with the go back. Okay, we got State of Nevada, Jones v. Jones, 2022. We got the Hanukkah Miracle. We got the lateral, collateral, lateral. Okay, hey, I'm eager to hear what in the hell are we going to call this game? My God, I know, you know what, I just want to accentuate the positives. I so bad, I'm going to call you later this week because that second half was nasty. That's N-A-S hyphen T-E-E-E, nasty. Uh, we looked at horrendous, but we got the W, and this is the type of catalyst we need. Sometimes you got to win ugly, ugly win. We'll take it. What a miraculous uh, I don't celebrate Hanukkah, but I like the Hanukkah miracle. Oh, my God. Hey, show up, show out, just holler, just win, baby, any type of way. When you go out, Raiders. <laughs> Raider Fish in Berkeley, always bringing the heat. Coming from any direction. You never know what direction he's going to come from, but you got it there. So thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. I uh, got a text from uh, the 415 Raider 12 here in Marin County. Yesterday was Revenge of the Tuck Rule. Next week, next week will be Revenge of the Immaculate Reception. Go Raiders. That's from, uh, that's from Raider 12 in Marin County. Thank you for that. Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up. Dobybroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R. I thought I'd seen it all, but yesterday's ending just adds another incredible finish to Raiders football. I'm still at a loss for words, but honestly it feels great to be on the right side of luck. I don't know what else to say. What a great win is now on to Pittsburgh. I have to ask, what's worse, losing the way the Patriots did or being the number one seed in fantasy football for two straight seasons of losing in the first round? Well, that's me. I'm officially off the Whiskey Cabinet. Shout out to Argentina and Messi. What an incredible World Cup. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And thank you for the text. And I don't do fantasy football, so you know that I'm not going to say anything about fantasy football. I'm not going to be a part of that mess that is fantasy football. But I know everyone else does it, and I appreciate it. It's just not my bag. I don't have time to do it even if I wanted to. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just – it's not for me, so I would have to say what's worse is uh, the Patriots losing that way. And, I mean, again, it was so un like That's why I think that's why it added that much more shock. It's just because it's like, wait, hold on. That team did that? <laughs> that team did that? So uh, thank you so much for that, Sir Whiskey Ray. I do appreciate you. Keep the text coming, man. 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, that's the don'tbebroke.com text line. we got Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas coming up in just a hot minute. But I want to know, where would you rank? The finish of Sunday's game as far as the best finishes you witnessed in sports history. Doesn't have to be Raider history. Doesn't have to be football. Just in sports. As far as games you've seen, either in person, on TV, whatever the case may be, you witnessed the game and you thought, and it made you, it made you feel the way it, the game made you feel yesterday. Because I'll tell you right now, I was at a, a massive loss for words sitting in the press box following, following the game. I was just kind of looking around, looking at Mark McMillan, who will join us at three, and just, again, shocked by what I saw the way that that thing ended. So 2.27 is the time. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas, and the RJ will join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. How, how long did it take us? 60 minutes, okay? I'm just telling you, we've been talking about 60 minutes all year long. I don't know that this was the most disciplined effort we've had, but I know this, nobody can argue with how, how, how much we fight. There's no way you can argue with the effort and the character of the people in this locker room, okay? And that's why we won, all right? Where's Chandler Jones? Yeah! 
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. There you heard Josh McDaniels talking to the team following the victory 30-24 over the New England Patriots Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Chandler Jones, he obviously gave him a game ball to walk it off. Shout out to Keelan Cole. You know, he's a guy that we talk about quite a bit. Makes me nervous when he gets out there on the field. But came up with two big catches. On my podcast, I actually gave him a, a game ball, and I gave Chandler Jones a game ball, which were obvious ones, right? I mean, those were the two guys that came up with some big plays, and I actually failed to give Malcolm Kuntz a game ball. Should have gave him one. He had a really bizarre play that happened right before halftime where he ended up blocking a punt, and it looked like, matter of fact, Josh Daniels talked about it earlier today, and we'll actually hear from him later on the show. He talked about it. He almost called, he almost called timeout before that play happened, but – Heads-up play by Malcolm Kuntz, who hasn't got a lot of burn to block that punt and give the Raiders an opportunity to score right before halftime, which they did when it looked before like they were going to let the clock run out and they were just going to go into to the locker room satisfied with the 10-3 to lead that they had. So we'll get into all that in a little while. And as I mentioned, coming up in the next hour, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. But joining us now on the phone lines to talk about that game as he was sitting in the press box is our good friend Ed Graney. You can find him on ESPN Las Vegas. Matter of fact, his show is called The Press Box with Tyler Bischoff, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then also the, the RJ, the Review Journal, puts all his work in, in the RJ, does a fantastic job. And Ed, have you found a, a good way of processing exactly what you saw and kind of summarize what you saw at the end of that game on Sunday? Um, being a writer, I should, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, it was just, uh, I was talking to Tyler this morning and I just, uh, it, it's something you saw and in the moment you didn't believe was happening and now you, you know, you've got 24 hours and you've known it's happened because you've read everything about it and seen what everyone has to say, but it was just, it was crazy. It was so many things had to happen for the play to, you know, to unfold like that, um, that they all did and they culminated in, you know, just one of the craziest things I think you and I have both seen in a sporting event, especially live. Yeah, no, it was. It, it, I mean, I, I sat around the, the press box and just looked at everyone like, what in the world just happened, right? I mean, yeah. it, just, it just literally blew my mind. How surprising were you that the way it ended, that was a Bill Belichick team that did all that undisciplined play? Yeah, that's one of the most amazing parts. I, I can uh, assuredly say it wasn't designed that way. Right. Um, I, don't think he, I don't think he had written it down saying, hey, let's do this. So... That was a surprising thing because they kind of pride themselves on not making stupid and foolish mistakes, and that was just a stupid play um, by Jacoby Myers. And, you know, props to him for standing up and answering all the questions after the game. Not a lot of guys, you know, not every guy do that. I shouldn't say not a lot, but not every guy would do that. Some of them would be out of the locker room within two seconds, but he stood there and answered all the questions. Um, just, you know, kind of a bonehead play there. It, you know, it, it's so funny because, um, and you know this, Q, you might have talked about it, so Chandler Jones misses the tackle on Stevenson on 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 the run. Yeah, yeah. And if he, does, if he makes that tackle, the game's in overtime already. Right. But he doesn't, which allows Stevenson to get free a little and to have the long run. And Chandler kind of stayed back uh, to where he was when he you know when he, when he missed the tackle. So he was in position when the ball was thrown back to intercept it and taking it back. And I always find it funny that they call it a fumble return because he intercepted the pass. But that's <laughs> right. Like, you know, I that, I always think that's a little weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, he, he had missed the tackle before, which was kind of ironic if he was the one who made the play of the game. Um, and it was not – obviously wasn't designed. I think Jacoby Myers is probably uh, sitting there today still questioning what in the heck he did. Uh, but for the Raiders, um, you know, they had 
suffered a lot of close losses all year. Um, they were this close to being 0-5 with double-digit leads at halftime, but they've blown that one. Um, so all good on their front today. I mean, you know, you don't – ugly, pretty. It's like Josh McDaniel said afterward, it doesn't matter at all. You know, it just counts on the scoreboard. So for them, it was a good win because they got the win. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Ed Graney is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And you mentioned it looked like that they were going to blow their fifth double-digit lead. I mean, that's, I feel like that that's probably the storyline that you felt like you were going to be writing until you yeah. weren't, right? I mean, it, just, it felt like in the second half that game was slipping away and it was just about done. What did the Patriots do, in your opinion, in the second half that made the Raiders' offense so, I, I, I guess, bad is the best way to win? It just it wasn't good. It wasn't good, and I, I don't know, you know, uh, obviously Belichick and McDaniel said this is really good at adjusting. Um, I thought they did a good job. I mean, obviously the stats proved it out on Devontae mm-hmm. um, pretty much the whole game. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, I think, also had to do with the Raiders, again, offensively just being inept until they, you know, absolutely didn't have to be inept anymore, couldn't be inept in that last drive to tie it. Um, you know, I, the pick six hurt really badly. I mean, he didn't. I don't know. He jumped it, so it was a good play, but I don't know how great a play it was. I think he looked over at him before he threw it anyway. Um, so, you know, I think it was more, I think it was 50-50. I think it was probably Belichick's adjustments um, to what happened in the first half, but then I think a lot of it has to fall on the Raiders as well for being inept offensively. Now, again, we say that, and when they needed a fourth-round touch or a fourth-round completion to continue the game-tying drive, they got it. Yeah. When they needed the huge play, they got the 30-yard touchdown pass. So, again, you got to give them credit for – kind of hanging in there and not saying, you know, oh, here we go again, you know, and just, you know, kind of playing it out, playing the string out. And you're right. Um, we go over story angles, you know, with about three, four minutes left to go in the game. With three, four minutes left in the game, someone asked me what I was writing. I'm like, well, here we go again. Right. You know, I'm writing, I'm writing that, you know, it, it happened again and, 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 and how this keeps happening. And then Chandler Jones makes that play. And believe me, our angles changed right away. <laughs> yeah, as they had to. Again, Ed Graney is our guest here. Already Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Speaking of storylines and the angles changing, do you think that Chandler Jones, he's redeemed himself in this second part of the season? Well, he's played a lot better, DeMond. Obviously, um, uh, I wrote about him after uh, the last win um, at home. And then yesterday, he had, when he had the three sacks, now he has this play. So, yeah, I mean, we waited around all year for him to really kind of live up to the contract and live up to what everything sa- everyone said about him and the career he had had, 100 sacks, 100-plus 100 sacks. Uh, over his career, uh, so these are two huge wins. You know, at home they've had the last times. He's, he's, you know, had, you know, the three sacks, and then he has the biggest play of this game. So, um, redeems a, a strange word sometimes in terms of what you know people kind of define it as. But I'll tell you, um, he's certainly you know made some plays these last two home wins that he wasn't making, um, you know, before that. And sticking with storylines, Darren Waller coming back, Hunter Renfro, what do you think the narrative's going to be? with? I mean, Renfro, his only catch of the game, third in Renfro. Darren Waller, he catches a touchdown pass. I'm not saying that they lived up to the hype, but do you think they performed as well as should have been expected coming back after such a long layoff? Well, and Q can help me out here. I I heard they were on a snap count. So so if they're on a snap count, you know, you, you can only do what you can do when you're in there. Um, you know, Waller down the seam was Waller down the seam. We've seen that a million times. Um, you could see it out of his break. I was watching him out of his break and could see exactly the route he was going to run and how he got open. Um, but they've been on IR, and, you know, sometimes it takes a while to come back from IR, and especially if you're on a snap count. And, then, you know, you're not always going to get the ball on every play, so your numbers are not going to be huge, you know, right away if they're, if they're kind of limiting what you can do. Um, 
but yeah, you wanted to see the whole crew out there, right? I mean, this is what, you know, the entire season was supposed to be about with all this, this entire crew out there. And I think as the season goes on with these last three, you'll see more and more of those guys involved than they were yesterday. You know, we talked about the struggles of the offense in the second half, and you're talking about the offense being a little inept. How much of that do you think had to do with another injury to the offensive line, another guard going down, and all of a sudden Meredith has to come in, and Grasso is already in, and he's already struggling. He's been struggling all game. So how much of that do you think Josh McDaniels was like, you know what, I just don't trust this offensive line? Yeah, I mean, and it's too bad because two of those guys, like what Josh said, hadn't played football in, you know, um, several, several months. Right. Um, so, you know, that's that's tough to do to get thrown in there. But, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with what happened uh, there in the second half, and a lot of it had to do with all the penalties they had. Yes. Um, they had so many penalties and yep. so many times it would back them up. Um, and we've seen that before where they get something going and, you know, there's a false start or there's a delay or, you know, there's hands to the face. And, you know, there's a million things that happen with this team usually with penalties that kind of hurt them and back them up. But, yeah, I mean, given who was on the line and how, you know, how little they've played, that had to do something kind of within the ineptness of the second half. Uh, but we'll go back to the last drive and the game-time drive. They stood up for them. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, whoever was in there stood up and, and, and gave them enough time to make those throws. So um, you kind of got to go back and say when it mattered most, they took care of their business. Yeah, no, they did. And again, we're talking with Ed Graney here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And let's say, Ruff, just got a couple more questions for you. Uh, how about Keelan Cole? You know, he doesn't get a lot of burn, doesn't get a lot yep. of catches, but he makes a clutch catch regardless if uh, people think his foot was in or out. I mean, it was called a touchdown on the field, so that's what it is. And he comes up with that big-time play when he's not a guy who gets a lot of targets. No, he's not. And that goes back to what they were doing with Devontae and kind of just saying Devontae's not going to beat us. Yeah. Um, so someone's, someone was going to have to make a play, and it ended up being Keelan Cole. The longer they took looking at it, you knew they were going to uphold it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of usually how it goes. They, they, if they look at it long enough and they talk that long enough, because we were all saying, we all, you know, I don't know about you, but when where we were in the press box, we thought it was, we thought he was out. I thought he was but, out. You know, yeah, I thought he was just out. Just looking at those yep. angles that the TV show, and I'm sure they've got different angles. It was weird. I didn't know this. I didn't even think of this. But they said had the game not been flexed out there would have been better angles on a prime time game. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting. I, I'm not a TV person, so I, that, super, you know, that was news to me that they would have different angles and different cameras and all that because it was prime time. Um, but huge, huge catch by Keelan Cole, in or out. They called it in, so it's a touchdown, and they needed someone to step up there. Like um, DeMond said, you know, Renfro was limited. Um, I don't think they're throwing that pass to Darren Waller. Uh, so someone had to make a play. You know, uh, Matt Collins made a couple of huge catches on that drive. Yeah. Um, I think one was on fourth down, and then the next one was on first down. Like, they were back-to-back catches that helped him get down the field. So huge, huge moment for Keelan, and he, he brought the ball in, and it was called a touchdown, so it's a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, from our view in the press box, and this is what I, I've been telling everyone, from my view, from my angle, it looked like it was out, but – I, hey, I'm okay with it. They called it a, a, a touchdown yeah, on the field, and that was the yep. thing. If they hadn't called it a touchdown on the field, it would have been it would have stood as an incompletion, right? I mean, yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. have been overturned either way you look at it. But right. from my angle, but I know there's other pictures out there, and other people have shown different angles. So uh, from where we were sitting, it looked like it was out. But again, I'm not mad at them calling it uh, in, and, Ke- in, and Keelan Cole comes up with a big touchdown. Final question for you, Ed. I was I was sharing this little nugget that right now. 20 out of 32 teams in the NFL are 500 or below. And obviously the Raiders are one of them at 6-8. and eight, But there's two divisions where they're only 500 or below. I mean, there's a lot, lot more teams are where the Raiders are as opposed to being the elite teams. 
How many more pieces do you think that they need? What else do they need to get from where they are right now to out of that bunch and kind of start to separate with the other teams that are, are better than 500 right now? Well, I just think they need to be more consistent. I mean, I think they need, you know, offensive line help, obviously. I think we both would agree with that. Um, you know, defensively, they've got some guys who struggle on the back end um, and, and did again yesterday for at, at some point. But I just think they need to be more consistent. And, you know, Look, we've said all year and each week that, you know, um, and Josh McDaniels has said it, that as they get, you know, more and more into the system, although it's, it's deep into the season now, they're going to become better at it. You wouldn't have thought that in the second half yesterday. So I just think they need to be more consistent. And, and that might not happen until next year, right? I mean, that might not, right. that might not, you know, I know they've got three left. So a lot of things have to happen here for it to happen. One, they have to win all three. So no one should even be worried about the Jets and Chargers at this point or whoever, you know, whoever these other teams are that are in it with them because if they don't win all three, it's not going to happen anyway. Um, so, you know, be more consistent um, this year and, and, and try to get these last three this year and then see where you sit and then take that. If you, you know, if you can win four straight to end this year, no matter if you make it or not, you know, you can maybe ride that in the next year. Now, it didn't happen this year, obviously, because they won four straight at the end of last year and, you know, got to the playoffs and, you know, we saw what happened to begin this year. So every season is different, but you know, maybe in year two with him, they make some changes in the offensive line. Um, the huge question is going to be a quarterback. So we don't know what it's going to be looking like next year. Um, but I just think they need to be more consistent in, in, in some key places. Yeah, no, you're right. Consistency. But again, it just kind of shows you that there's more teams that are like the Raiders are. You know, the last couple of years oh, yeah. there's been a lot more parity yeah. than there's been teams separating oh, and being elite. You know, it's just total kinda... total league of total league of parity now. Yep, and that's exactly what the NFL wants. So yes, uh, just because yes, your, I mean, your team starts yeah. out bad doesn't mean that they're out of it by any the stretch. Only, that's the one thing Pete Rozelle, the late Pete Rozelle, wanted. They wanted parity in the league. Mm-hmm. They, they, wanted, they wanted a bunch of t- a bunch of times like this where everyone's fighting for playoff bursts and, you know, and then the Buccaneers are in first place at 6-8. and eight. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Simple as that. Well, Ed, fantastic stuff as always. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Um, writing Raiders this week, you know, it'll be a short week to go to, uh, to Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. Vinny Bonsignore is going to be a solo act for us on the road there. So, uh, <laughs> uh, he can, he can endure the weather. Uh, yeah. uh I'm not going to feel bad for him. He can endure it. Uh, Vinny's a tough guy. Yep. Uh, so stick with the Raiders and, um, get ready to maybe do some UNLV basketball. Uh, they dropped their first one, but, yeah. um, huge, huge, huge game coming up on uh, New Year's Eve. I think it's going to be packed at the, uh, Thomas and Mack when San Diego State comes to town. No doubt. That's going to be a good one. Real good one, Ed. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Definitely appreciate you, man. It's always fun catching up with you in the press box, and thanks for your time this afternoon. Thank you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, my man. There he goes. Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas. The RJ does a fantastic job with both, and I definitely appreciate him. And one quick shout-out before we take a break. Don, at Raider1 on Twitter, um, he sent me a picture of Keelan Cole uh, and his catch in, in the end zone. I understand completely. Thank you so much for that picture, Don. Uh, I've, I've had multiple people send it to me. When I was talking about to Ed that I thought it was out, that was from my angle in the press box. That's, that's, I just want to emphasize that. I was saying from my angle it looked like he was out. That's why I tweeted out about 12, no, nah, about 20 hours ago that it looked like he was out. But uh, I've seen that picture. Thank you so much for passing that along. I do appreciate you, my man. Got a little fired up. He tweeted at me, dude. I just showed you he's in. I got you. I got you, Don. I got you. It's going to be all good, my man. I do appreciate you. 247 is the time. When we come back, you'll hear from the hero, Chandler Jones. Caught up with him in the locker room. you hear it next. Radio Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We're at the OEO Hotel and Casino. The Underground Lounge is our Monday night football spot. We got the Rams and the Packers tonight. 
It'll be on the many TV screens that they have inside the Underground Lounge, so I encourage you to come on by like Vegas Jess has done, hanging out with us, getting ready for some Monday night football action. Throughout the question there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, where would you rank to finish the Sunday's game as far as best finishes that you witnessed in your sports fan history? Witness, again, is the key word, stuff that you saw, not that you heard about, but that you saw. And then, of course, the Raiders, the, the, the one of the teams that are in the pack. And what I mean by the, in the pack, 20 of 32 teams in the NFL are 500 or below. So what is it going to take for the Raiders to separate themselves from that pack and get into the pack of the better teams in the NFL? Again, 69187, keyword R&R. One guy that uh, had, a, had a major role in ending the game for the Raiders last night at Allegiant Stadium was Chandler Jones, the man that went up and high-pointed the ball and took it to the house. Matter of fact, just about right where Vegas Jess was sitting, almost ran right into his arms. We caught up with Chandler Jones in the locker room following the game. How do you describe what the heck just happened at the end of the game there, Chandler? Well, we were in like a, in a desperado situation where we know that there was zero, clocks, was zero time left on the clock. And uh, I think I saw Jacoby uh, kind of spotting up to throw it back. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to look for the nearest guy, and, and Mac Jones was right there. And uh, I kind of just went up there and got it and broke a tackle and scored. Amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Have you ever been involved in a game that ended as wild as that ended? No. On any level? No, 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 I've never. And that, that was a game, it was a tough game. And we know we were going to have to play well, more than 60 minutes to, to beat this team. And like I said, this is a huge t- a win for our team for sure. As soon as you catch it, you see ahead of you. Are, are you thinking touchdown or what, what's going on? Well, when I caught it, at first I was thinking, who's around me? And I felt myself stumble a little bit after the stiff arm. And then I was thinking, who do I pitch it to? Because I was just trying to, you know, keep the ball alive. And so when I stayed up, I just turned the Jets on and the rest was history. I would have pitched it. What did it feel like for you, though, to finish the game off like that in the home stadium and, and hear Raider Nation lose their mind? Uh, honestly, I was just trying to catch my breath. Uh, when I got in the end zone, I was kind of just standing there. All my teammates kind of was just pushing me in every different direction. I really couldn't breathe. Uh, I couldn't see much. And I guess we have won the game. It was wild. Is there any like, more significance because it's against the Patriots? You know, I haven't even thought that far. Um, but when you play against a former team, uh, you know, you never really want to speak about it, but you always have that in your mind, like, you know, i, I got to get this team. So it does feel a little good that I, I, I'll do a little silent brag there. It felt good. Was, yeah. was that part of your success for the whole day? I mean, even before the last play, it seemed like you were having a real good day. It's, it's some big pressure. It's holding on right there. I was just trying to make plays, honestly. Um, even if I, it, it wasn't for me to, to make that touchdown, I just feel like if I can do something to help us win, and, and obviously that was a, a big play, but uh, the pressures, Max, uh, those guys, everyone was just doing very well. And, and sometimes the stats may not show, but uh, that was a great team win. And then what, what's the celebration like? Looks like you were trapped up there against the... Uh... Against the wall. There was no there was no room for a celebration. Uh, like I said, I was trying to catch my breath. I, I really couldn't breathe, but, man, that was a, that was a huge win. Thank you. What was, the, what was the chatter when uh, they were replaying... Touchdown. What was going through everybody's mind? We didn't know. Um, like I said, uh, they, they kept replaying the replay on the on the on the jumbotron, um, and there was no evidence to kind of overturn it. So we were happy about that. Chandler, saw you getting emotional on your way off. Yeah. Field. Just just with everything that's been this season, the ups and downs. Just what did that moment alone? Mean? Yeah, I definitely did get a little emotional. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool that you caught that. Um, I teared up a little bit, but because I, I just love football. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the game. I love the sport. And uh, I think when I started to tear up, I think it had just hit me how big of the play I had made. And it didn't hit me yet. So I was like, you know what, let me, let me take this moment for myself a little bit and, and uh, drop a few tears.
When's the last time you scored a touchdown? I think that was the first one in the NFL, right? No, no, that wasn't my first oh, okay. one. Um, back when I was on the Patriots, though, okay. I got a black field goal, scoop score, touchdown. Um, but it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, anything else for him? Amazing. Great job. Thank Very you, well spoken. You guys might need to hire Kyle when he's done playing. Hero of the day. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys. Chandler Jones in the locker room following the game. Kyle Pecco and Malcolm Koontz were on the other sides of him, and, and you heard you heard Kyle Pecco chiming in a few times there. He was he actually was recording as well with his phone. It was pretty funny. He was just having some good time with the you know with the media and also with Chandler Jones. You heard some of his teammates in the background. Chandler, oh Chandler, and that's what the teammates do when they see everyone gathered around one guy's locker room. They start or locker. They start having some fun with it. But I'll tell you this. I know Chandler Jones has been disappointing. I'll be the first to say he's been disappointing this year. He hasn't been the guy that everyone expected him to be when the Raiders signed him in free agency. But how easy is it to root for a dude like that, right? How easy is it to root for a guy that every one of his teammates says, you don't see all the work that he does. He puts in so much, and they're all genuinely so happy to have him as a teammate. And you heard what he said right there. I'm just trying to make a play. I got emotional because I just love football. Right. And, and, and he said, I'm going to actually take a moment for myself. He's he hears everything. All these guys hear all of the noise. Anybody that says, oh, they, well, I don't I don't read any of the social media. I don't hear any of that. I don't hear, uh, you know, guys barking about this, that. And the other. They all hear it. They all see it. They all read it. And so Chandler has not wavered. That's the one thing I, I got to give him a ton of credit for. He has not wavered. He's continued to give it his all. And everybody in that locker room, all the coaches on that staff will all continue to say how much he's brought to the team. Again, the numbers that we all look at, that I focus in on, sacks, pressures, you know, plays like that, I know that those aren't there 100% where they should be, but what I don't know, you know, what he does in practice, the teaching that he's helping other players with, stuff he's trying to do, that stuff I don't see. That's stuff that, you know, nobody sees. JT doesn't see. You know, Clay, Vinny, Heidi, they don't see, right? So what he's been doing and providing, you've got to give him a lot of credit for continuing to – to fight and, and, and try to make as many plays as possible and help the team ultimately win. 2.57 is the time. We'll start off with Mark McMillan. I'll ask him about Chandler Jones. I'll ask him about the finish to that game because, well, it's still incredible to think about. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.